This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Nelly on from Tiger Hall, and our discussion is what will finally bridge the gap between university skills and HR departments? I've been wondering this for at least 100 years, so uh, I'm really, really excited to unpack this with Nelly. Uh, Nelly, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Tiger Hall? Absolutely. And uh, great to be here again and chat with you, William. So my name is Nelly Wartoft. I'm the founder and CEO of Tiger Hall. Tiger Hall is a social learning platform where you can learn directly from senior executives and business leaders and experts around the world and doing that in a way that is much more like social media. So you learn through podcasts, live streams, power reads and being social with your peers and colleagues um, on a mobile app. So very easy user-friendly way to learn directly from the best in business. So the gap uh, between university skills and HR departments, um, let's just talk about what you see so far, just kind of if you were to kind of look at the market, like what's being pumped out of academia and what's being required or needed by, by HR departments? How yeah, far right. is the, how far is the, <laughs> how far off are we? I think like far off would be a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Mars much, and Venus. Got it. Mars and Venus. <laughs> I think we're much, much further away than just simply far off. I think it's just not anywhere close. And I just love, love this topic. And I love that you're bringing this up, William, because this is what I'm dedicating my life to solving. And uh, I, I went to university as most other people and uh, realized that that was absolutely not taking me anywhere but besides that personal experience which I thought that was probably just me when I then went out to recruitment and I spent four years with Michael Page leading their sales and marketing practice in Southeast Asia and just seeing very firsthand how people were coming out of many times great schools top GPA having all of those paper qualifications right but it was so far off what the business needed so I would say the gap between what university produces and what HR departments want, that might be a little bit closer. But if we look at university, what you come out of from university with and what business needs are, that gap is just astonishing. And I can give you countless of examples where it's uh, people have studied the four piece of marketing and Porter's five forces. And mm-hmm. then they come out and people are like, oh, like, how does the TikTok algorithm work? How do we go viral? How do we launch our own YouTube channel? Like, that's the type of marketing you need to do today, right? Right. That's just not at all what you learn in university. Um, and I would just like to make one distinction because um, when I speak a lot about this topic and the gap between university and what business is requiring from their talent, and one distinction that I would like to make is I'm talking about topics that change. So like right, of course, marketing, like all of those kind of topics that you need to know when you go out and work. I'm not talking about chemistry, physics, like topics that don't change. I think 
there there could be a place for studying that in university. And then the second distinction I'll make is that I speak about it very much from an employability point of view. So right. I mean that I assume people go to university to get a good job and to be successful in life. And uh, if you have the kind of time and money to just like curl up and study the topic of marketing from an academic point of view, because it's super interesting to you, then by all means, be my guest. But most people don't have that time and money. They want to get a job. So that's the point of view that I'm speaking from. So we have three constituency groups, as I, as I see it. And you might uh, see more. The university, so academia. And again, as formal or however we want to look at that. Uh, and then you have the business uh, side of things, or corporate, um, which is a different, they have different interests. And then you have students and graduates, employees, et cetera. So that, that group of people there. So how do we, okay, so we all recognize that there is a gap. And the gap's been there for, especially in the, in the things that you mentioned, uh, the things that change, the gap's always been there. Mm. So, and maybe it's widening uh, because things are just moving faster. Fair enough. But how do we bring those constituencies, uh, those groups of people together to recognize that problem? And how do we actually fix the gap? Well, I think recognizing the problem is, I mean, you, you speak with any employer and the problem is very recognized. So right. <laughs> right. if you're there, they're very clear that what comes out of universities is is far off from what they what they need for their businesses to succeed. Do, do universities uh, have the same, do they have the same recognition of the problem? I don't think they do. Definitely yeah. not to the same extent, because, I mean, obviously, if they would, they would probably close down shop <laughs> or change things dramatically. Right. Um, but it was interesting. I was interviewed by a professor, actually, um, who told me that, oh, but um, but my program is great and uh, we do so many things because our students get to go out and work in actual businesses and get exposure in real work life and they get to work with companies. And I'm like, that's actually saying that your university is not doing the job, but it's going out and working and getting that work experience that is doing the job. So, um, so I think they're kind of trying to to get a little bit closer in some areas, but they tend to still not change the fundamental way of how universities operate. So they tend to add on things like this professor had done, they add on work experiences, they add on internships, they add on uh, guest lectures from the business world, they bring in those different types of speakers. So they try to do things around the actual like university education, but they don't still change the core of the university education. I think that is where the problem lies because that's still where um, where the majority of time goes for the students. And we have all seen how much how much um, tuition fees have continued to rise in, how much more expensive university it is, and salaries have not kept up, right? So it's just super, super expensive to go to university today, especially in the United States. So on one level, I guess one of the things as a student coming out of high school or whatever, and you're evaluating college is, is again, as, as you described it, is this something that's going to fundamentally change, you know, um, every, every six months, every year, every month, whatever, the, whatever that is, whatever time frame is, or is this, like you said, and even in those instances, like I said, chemistry and biology, and uh, I was thinking of counting uh, when you said that I'm like, okay, basic T accounting is not fundamentally going to change. However, you know, the tax code changes every year. So there is, you know, so, so, so something changes. But, mm -hmm. and I, I guess that's probably true of a lot of the hard sciences. 
that there is basically calculus. Calculus doesn't change, but there's some nuances that might change. And if you're going into a major that you, a career where you need that major, universities make sense, as I understand it. And if you're going into a career like social media marketing uh, is a a great example. If you're going into that career, maybe university isn't your best, uh, maybe it isn't your best use of funds or time. Am I getting that right? No, I would say even the calculus example, I'm not sure university is the best use of time and money. If you look at the expense of getting a degree and how how ridiculously expensive that is today and comparing that with the salaries that you make when you go out and work, it's it's just not adding up. And the ratio used to be something like you could pay off your university degree in three to four years. If we look at, let's say, my right. parents' generation. So it used to be a three to four, maybe five year payoff. If you look at that today, many students have like 20, 25 years to pay off their university debt by the time which they might already be retired. And I think spending your entire working life paying off that debt, it just it's not justified. It it can't be justified. And the rate at which university has been increasing their tuition fees is just is not justified. So I would say even the calculus example is there are better, faster, cheaper ways to learn calculus than to spend four years and over a hundred thousand dollars on learning that through a book that you could have bought for 20, 20 bucks and learn it in the same way. So how how do we change the recruitment side of this? Because you worked in that space. It's 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 fascinating to be able to talk to you about this. You see you see job descriptions every day of bachelors required or masters required, PhD required, etc. How do we change the mentality of recruiters to understand that those those gaps exist? A and uh, and and a degree isn't necessarily um, important. It's the skills and experience which someone can gather in a much in different ways. Khan Academy, you know, all kinds of different ways. Reading a book, you just mentioned it. You can go down to your local bookstore and get a calculus book and read the book, take tests, do a bunch of stuff online, YouTube, you know, like you can learn calculus in a different way. But yet recruiters, and I'm not I'm not blaming recruiters, uh it's it's usually hiring managers, generally speaking, that they're the ones that um have degrees in mind because that's probably kind of how they came up. You know, they came up, they got their bachelor's or whatever, and then they want other people in their department or people they work with to have a bachelor's degree, which again, fundamentally flawed. You don't have to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) But how do we change that? How do we change the mentality, I guess, is the point. Yeah. So I've actually had countless conversations with both recruiters and HR leaders and business leaders on this topic, and they all know it's flawed. So there are very few that sit and actually think that university degrees is a predictor of success. And it's shown again and again that it's not a good indicator of success. And even if you look at the the firms that are very Ivy League focused, for example, and they go after target schools, think of the big consulting firms or mm-hmm. investment banks, even they they know that it's not a way to get the best people, but it's a way to avoid getting the worst people. So even they themselves acknowledge that it's just a way to keep the bar high, uh, but it's not by no means a, by no way I mean, means uh, getting a 
getting away of uh, getting the best people into your business is just a way of like not getting but not getting the worst this is a, so, this could be a little dark uh, sorry to interrupt Nelly, but yeah. but uh, but you just kind of inspired me to think to think of this. do you see that as uh, again with the backdrop of di and belonging and and everything that's going on uh, there do you think the kind of the over focus or maybe over indexing on on degrees uh, from universities has been a way to screen out people? I definitely think it has. I mm. definitely think it has. It's, it's been a way to mm. screen out people and to make life easier for the recruiters to kind of get an idea of, okay, this is the type of person I will right. get. And they will somewhat fit into this environment. Right. So it's actually a very lazy way of recruiting. It's an incredibly lazy way of recruiting because you're not going out there looking for how can I find the best talent for my business you're just looking at how can i make my job as easy as possible and make it quick and fast and get to a somewhat actually very homogeneous group which is to your point on dei uh, makes di even worse and i think that has been one of the factors contributing to this whole di focus that we have today is that focusing too much on universities and degrees has been one of the ways that we have been not getting the diversity that we're needing in businesses. So, um, but overall, I think employers are aware that universities, it, it is a flawed way of looking at it, but the problem is that they don't have an alternative. And right. that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be that alternative where we people can get data on, for example, what is someone's growth mindset, um, getting um, acknowledged by peers, by different leaders. Because if you ask any business leader, would you rather hire someone with this GPA and university degree or this growth mindset, 99% would select the growth mindset, but they just don't have a way to evaluate that and getting the data of what is what is the level of growth mindset of this person, what is the level of learning agility, all of these soft skills or what I call power skills, we don't yet have a good way of evaluating those and assessing those. And that's what we at Tiger are trying to build is having a way of evaluating power skills, soft skills, mindsets, learning agility, and helping employers hire based on that. So that could be done both for internal mobility, but also external recruitment and uh, and seeing how people behave, how they're interacting with their peers, how they're accredited by different leaders and experts worldwide. That's the type of platform that I think is required. Right. So one of the things that, that uh, you know, in the title, Bridge the Gap, and you just went into it a little bit. So we, we spent, you know, enough time kind of explaining the problem. And I think everyone, uh, the audience, I think everyone listening will understand, okay, yes, stated and covered, we get the problem. Now let's get into deeper into what you were just getting into in terms of, okay, how do we actually solve this problem? So let's go into that um, and, and go deeper into that, if you don't mind. So. Um, and go ahead, let's do let's use Tiger All as a, as a great example. How how do y'all approach like again, you're approaching HR, you're approaching hiring managers, you're approaching the company to understand what they want, and then you're obviously helping them attract the talent, but a, in in a different way. So if you don't mind, let's back up and actually kind of deconstruct that process. Yeah, so looking at like how people are. Um, hiring and the kind of data and what they're looking at. It's all about learning from other people, learning from reality, learning from human experiences, as opposed to studying, for example, marketing theory and how that was back in the 1950s. It's talking with the CMO of 
a big company, talking with the uh, someone who runs a social media campaign, someone who's a good TikTok campaign, someone who has a lot of YouTube followers and learning directly from them on how they are doing it and uh, and getting insights from what is actually working today in today's world. So that's part of, of social learning is learning from human experience and learning from people what people are doing today. And I think a big part of solving the problem is also this shift that is actually already started. And you've seen this with a lot of um, large companies. You have Google, Amazon, EY, large companies going out and saying that they don't need university degrees anymore. So the mindset has already started to shift, but looking at the skills and how we solve for it with individual, I think we need to shift from focusing on skill sets to focusing on mindsets. I think that is the Mm. next shift. And I believe that we actually have to put people through these experiences to build those mindsets. Because if you think of how you build skill sets, it's very much, well, first of all, even before skill sets, it was like knowledge which was right. basically studying a book, memorizing facts, and then spitting out those facts in, a, in an exam. And then he was moving into skill set, which is more like, how do you do this? And practicing as well. But I think the next step here is mindset. And to build people's mindsets, we actually have to put people through different experiences that makes them build these different mindsets and emotional intelligence. And that could be things like, you know, destroying their projects. (laughs) This might sound crazy, but like giving someone a project and halfway through you're forcing them to fail. That's how you teach them to deal with failure or being unfair. Like how do you deal with unfairness in the world, right? Like if you look at how parents treat siblings, they usually always try to have it equal and be equal with, with their children. And I think that's a really bad idea. I mean, give Mike all the candy and teach Lisa how to deal with it because that's how the world works, right? Or how to stand up against it because life isn't fair. And if you're taught that it's fair when you're a child and expect that when you graduate, graduate, you're going to go into a world that is fair and the candy is always going to be divided equally, then you're going to struggle, right? So I think we need to put people through these experiences deliberately And you don't get that by sitting on a chair and reading a textbook and looking at a professor. You have to have more experiential learning. And when it comes to change management, which is in huge demand right now from employers, have people do a project and then midway through the requirements change. Now we're doing something completely else. Whatever you did, throw it out the window. It doesn't work anymore. That's the type of schooling and education I think we need to get to. And you can't just have, you can't study the theory of it. You have to experience the emotions of it because going out, working, experiencing life, that's more about emotions and emotional intelligence and building that mindset around how you deal with those situations. That I think will be a lot more useful for people when they go out to work than knowing how to memorize a textbook. So with mindsets, you you said putting people through those experiences. Are you thinking uh, down the road, if not now, are you thinking about uh, simulations, metaverse, augmented reality, virtual reality, et cetera, like putting, literally putting them into those situations uh, and simulations or, or is it more, um, or right now, is it is it more putting them in in the in the examples that you use, putting them in a situation, knowing that you're going to change the criteria to then see how they uh, how how resilient they are, how they build resilience, how they deal with ambiguity, etc. Yeah, exactly. We'll be constructing those those experiences and constructing something that 
to the participant looks like, okay, this is what is going to happen. This is what I'm going to go through. And you prepare them for something. And then throughout the experiences, things happen. It's like walking through a ghost house at Halloween, right? Like suddenly you have a ghost popping up, suddenly a murder comes around the corner, like things happen to you as you go through. And to your point, this could be in AR, VR, metaverse could be a good use case for this, uh, but it has to be real. That's the most important. So it has to be real emotions. It can't be going into a classroom and then you do a little bit of a role play and then you go out because then you're still looking at it from a confined space. You're still in a bubble. So it has to be, let's say you're going through a learning experience together with your colleagues. And if we take the, the candy example, right? Like it's supposed to be fair, but then suddenly someone gets all the candy. And then how do you deal with that? So it's something that you think is real. This is how it's how it's happening. So it's not a simulation. It's not a bubble. It's not a role play. It's actually happening to you in real life, but it's throughout that learning experience. And does this does this work better uh, for any particular vendor? I'm not vendor uh, for any industries or job positions, etc. Like, do you see this applied for? kind of knowledge working jobs and but not necessarily hourly jobs or something like that is there anything that you see where it works or where it should be applied and maybe not be applied i think it could be applied everywhere to be honest i think it could be applied in in all types of roles because every role requires levels of resilience of change management of right. dealing with customers dealing with people all of those kind of skills i think are needed in every job okay so um I guess one of the things I wanted to ask about, because you've mentioned EQ a couple different times, and I guess that's some of what we're building with with mindsets is building kind of a literacy around EQ, understanding where people are, but also probably teaching and training them up uh, to have uh, a better understanding of their own EQ, but also others. Is that is that about right? Yeah, I think overall, we need to focus more on power skills, um, which mm -hmm. is soft skills, communication, leadership, like I call it power skills, because it is the skills that are the most powerful. And bottom line is anything we can Google, we should not learn in school, we should not waste our brains on memorizing facts that we could easily just type into our smartphones and find in 0 0.2 seconds. And um, it's interesting, because I spoke with a fellow founder about um, MBA education and like I'm very openly anti-MBAs and, and he had an MBA and we discussed that and uh, he said that he had gone through a course in his MBA education which is about how to acquire a company and I think this is part of most um, MBA curriculums is acquisitions and how to acquire a company but when you're actually the CEO running a business which is what he is today and you're about to acquire a company you you bring in a team of specialist lawyers and bankers to do that job for you right but what you're instead dealing with day in and day out as a CEO is people matters it's communication, it's politics, alignment, collaboration, stakeholder management. It's all about the people. And where is that in an MBA course? It's very, very hard to find that in any curriculum that has to do with business, but actually 90% of your day ends up being dealing with people. And then even more looking at those who go to a top elite institution for their education, they actually learn how to deal with people even less because they would learn how to operate with people who are at the top of their game or the top right. of society right. and not how to operate with the average masses, right? And half of the world's population is below average and half of the people in your company are going to be below average, even if your average might be very high. 
So how are you going to engage them? How are you going to have empathy for them and motivate them? And the Harvard bubble doesn't teach you that. And that's where I believe this huge disconnect between employer and employee that we see now is also many times where that is coming from. I got to get your take. Last question. I got to get your take on something that I've seen and read. Uh, oh, good gosh. The last couple of months around the return to office. Okay. Mm. And uh, CEOs and executives using soft skills uh, as an excuse to return to office. So let me explain. So at least the argument goes something like this. Um, millennials and Gen Z don't have don't have the soft skills development, blah, 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 blah. Okay, got it. The return to office, if they're in the office and they're working, even if it's flex, even, even if it's three days a week, whatever, then they're having to interact with each other in a different way. Um, I'm not I, I don't believe that. So I'm just I'm just reporting the news. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I, I think it's this is just an excuse to get people to come back to an office so that they they can see people work. But I have heard this argument from more than about 10 different executives. So I know that they believe it or they believe it enough to at least tell me. What's your take on that? Well, I think I mean that's Bullshit. <laughs> okay, sure. good. I, I knew I liked you. I just, <laughs> I, I think the exact same thing. I'm like, yeah, this, this, this. I mean, again, you there's yeah. certain things you can't learn through Zoom. I'm like, okay, I get it. And yeah, we there should be some more human interaction. Okay, fantastic. But what does that have to do with a return to office? I mean, the thing is with soft skills, right? Like, it's not physical. Like, right. do they classify right. soft skills as going around touching each other? Like, <laughs> oh, I hope not. That would be not concerning a different, no, a different say, level. HR is going to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> so then soft skills is about how do you speak with others? How do you communicate? What words right. do you use? What tone do you use? And, like, all of that is can be done virtually as well, right? So right. I think that's complete, yeah, bullshit. And I think if you don't have a way of measuring productivity or like seeing if people are doing their job or looking at the results apart from watching people physically work that you have something much much bigger serious problems in your business because you shouldn't have to see people physically being at a desk doing work to think that they're working that should show up in your okrs in your results and seeing the needle moving forward with the business right and 100%. whether they're physically at their desk or not that's a completely separate matter so i would challenge those executives and say like oh so soft skills are now physical touching is that how you define it or <laughs> Nelly, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for carving out time and wisdom for us. Likewise. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.